Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Frozen Four Podcast, brought to you by NHL News Updates. I'm your host, Luke. I got my two guys with me. Steve's unable to join us this week, but I do have Josh and Stack here. So, Stack, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Just got home from another 10-hour lovely shift at work that rained out the last two hours, which kind of sucked. But, um, yeah, I'm just floating through life, trying to stay off Twitter because of um, obvious reasons. Um and yeah, really not paying attention to hockey anymore again for obvious reasons, but I'm living, trying to enjoy my summer uh, otherwise. So uh, yeah, that's about it for me. Josh, how are you doing? Well, I had a pretty shitty day at work as well because we were getting rained on left and right, kind of pop-up showers. And our boss was just kind of like, hey, it's going to stop in like 10 minutes but it's been downpouring and there's standing water, but we're going to make you keep mowing anyway. And I was just like, okay, I guess word of advice for anyone who wants to mow their lawn. Don't mow an apple orchard in the, in a like previously rained area because you will take a shower whether you like it or not. And that's what happened to me today. So um, also stack, how does rainouts work for you guys? Do you guys go home or like, cause, cause I know with us, if it rains and it's like for sure done, we just go home, but like, what do you guys do? So we don't, ex- we don't really get rained out per se that we stop working. We um, continue operating, but people don't want to come on, uh, you know, oh, right. it, it right. just gets crappy. And like, you know, today we were, you know, the average boat was about, you know, 200, 150 people. As soon as it started raining, that went down our last two boats when it started raining were like 30 and then like 16 oh geez so see yeah, but I, I don't get that though because like they're going on the mate of the mist they know they're gonna get wet like what's a little extra water from the rain you know <laughs> yeah i mean who knows <laughs> i mean I, I get John you. makes for like really nice pictures over there too that's fair. That's fair. But imagine getting like a lightning bolt in the background, like of the falls. Like that'd be cool. That'd also, be really uh, I know those listening cannot see, but I feel really out of the loop. Both Josh and Stack are wearing glasses right now. Mine are blue light glasses. That's why mine I'm are also them. blue light glasses. Um, hey. <laughs> hey, you need a pair. I got these for like 15 bucks at Target. And uh, so far, all my friends have been like, Damn, Mike, you look studious. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but thank you. No, I I know what it means. Yeah, I appreciate the comment. Mine even have like a prescription, so like I don't have to be blurry anymore. I wasn't really, I didn't think I was blurry, but apparently I needed a little bit of a prescription. But yeah, so Luke, save your eyes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, luckily, uh, I was given the gift of perfect vision. I do not need any kind of glasses for anything. Um. But also, I had a pretty good day, uh, chilling. It's been pretty decent. Work's still hectic. We'll see what happens. I have story time for you guys later in closing time. Word. But that being said, big news out of not even the NHL, but the OHL. I want to get right into it as the OHL drafted goaltender Taya Curry to the Serena Sting, the first female to be drafted into the OHL so big props to her 
And it's a big changing for hockey in general. Yeah, goaltender too. I mean, that's just awesome to see. I hope she can, like, you know, make an impact in the OHL. I think she will. But imagine if she, in three years, we hear her getting talked about in the NHL draft. Or imagine if this is kind of a new pathway for girls to get into the NWHL and it just leads to the growth of that. I mean, this is just awesome to see um, from Park Hill, Ontario. I don't know how close that is to Buffalo, but I mean, Ontario is right there. So it probably isn't too far. Um, so that's also cool. Um, but props yeah, to her. better than Hutton. <laughs> yeah, can we can we take her on our team? What's crazy is people that are getting into drafted in the OHL this year were born in 2005. Stop right and, now. <laughs> and that was when the Sabres went on their last like actual cup run. Like people like Ilya it. Kovalchuk and Alex Ovechkin were like rookies. That was See, I think that was Ovechkin's rookie year actually. It was. And mistaken. here here's here's the thing that bothers me too is I'm older than both of you. Steve's not here, so I'm the oldest one here. And that really like that was oh, eight yeah. years after I was born. I was eight years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steve what well, Steve was born in like ninety five, right? He, he'd be ten. He was ten. Jesus. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. Well, that's um, insane. I, I wanna kinda get my two cents in here with this. Um this is really cruel, cruel. This is really cool, not cruel. Um, sorry, eight hour or ten hours out in the sun will do that. But <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, hopefully, this is another pathway, and in a few years, she could be drafted into, like Josh said, the NWHL. But hopefully, one that's developed through the NHL, much like the WNBA is for the NBA Um, that their league is still, it seems like it changes every week. Who's leading it, who's in it, what's going on with the teams. And then we know over um, a couple months ago, they had that tournament in um, where was that again? Lake Placid and kept getting postponed because all the girls there, all the women there were getting COVID and I just hope that there's a stable women's league for her to go into eventually. But even then it would be awesome to see her blow out the, o- the OHL and then come to the NHL and take a, take a page out of uh, Shin Zabados's uh, book. Really? Yeah. And I remember i saw a while back, it was a couple weeks ago. Um, oh wait, hold on. Not Shannon Zabados. Who is the who is the woman goalie who suited up? Oh, for the Lightning. Yeah. Oh, I can picture. Uh, I can see her in the jersey on the ice right now. Why can't I think of her name? All I know is it's a that's like a it's not like a hard name to pronounce, but it's, it's very French Canadian, I think. Yes. I want to say it started with man and man and Rahum 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 like that. Say Rome. I'm sorry. It's got a little thing over the E. I'm sorry if we butchered it, but her. It's got a little over the E. Yeah, and she was a badass and still is a badass. But anyway, um, no, I agree with you, Stack. I was just trying to remember the name of the tournament that just happened with, like, the – it's the Women's Hockey Player Association. It's – they're kind of like their own own league almost where, like, there's the NHLPA – 
and they're just for like CBA and player stuff like that. But like the women's version of the NHLPA is kind of like a league almost. And they did a tournament. I can't remember. It wasn't like the She Believes Cup, like the women's soccer does, but it was something like that. And they either played. You can tour or something. Yeah. And they either. Exactly what you mean. They either played the Calgary. I don't think they played the Calgary Flames. I think they played the women's Calgary Flames or something like that. Like an all star team versus some form of the Calgary Flames because that was a Calgary Flames logo and they beat them, whoever they may be. And. I feel like if stuff like that can gain traction and like grow over the next three years, four years, five years, we could see girls like Taya Curry and others who might be able to break into the OHL now, you know, get a shot and things like that, which it's just an awesome feel good story. I would certainly hope so. Yeah. I mean, that'd be crazy. Crazy good, not crazy bad. Crazy in a good way. Yeah. Beating the odds like that. It's really sweet. Right. Most definitely. And another big story out of this OHL draft um, for more, more for our personal sake is number one overall selected player um, being Quentin Musty is a Hamburg native. So right here in Buffalo. So great feel good story for us Buffalo fans of hockey to see someone, a kid from Buffalo, go number one overall to the OHL, so you could see him in a Sabres jersey in a couple of years. Um, <laughs> probably not. I mean, maybe, but no. I mean, it just shows you how like decent that the Buffalo Junior Sabres have gotten. I mean, all all the way coming up, except for his last year, thirteen U, fourteen U, and Pee Wee. He was with the Buffalo Junior Sabres and then joined the North Jersey Avalanche for 16U, which is where he got drafted out of. Um, but it's just good to see that the Junior Sabres are actually, you know, creating prospects. We saw, I mean, the Sabres drafted a guy out of the Junior Sabres last year, um, I think in like the sixth round. So it's just a cool, like, local story. Um, I'm kind of curious if any of my friends from Hamburg know him, but, um, that's like 15 minutes for me. So that's really cool to see. And, um, Western New York's been steadily, you know, uh, seems like honestly less lately, but has steadily been producing some pretty elite level NHL talent for at least a decade now because Patrick Kane's from Buffalo. Uh, the Felino brothers were both born in Buffalo. They moved around a lot, so I wouldn't really call them. Buffalo Rays, but they were definitely born in Buffalo. Um, I mean, isn't Justin Bailey Buffalonian? Wasn't he? Yeah, he he I is mean, also from Buffalo. And even in the area, too, like how Steve always brings up Tim Connolly. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know if Tim Connolly's from Rochester, but he lives there. Dustin um, Brown's from Ithaca. Yeah. I mean, Zach really from New York. Hey, I mean, hey, there's also one other name, Patrick Coletta. Oh, yeah. Alex, I follow uh, both Angola natives. Yep. And um, local shout out to uh, Joe Ciccone. He went to Louport. He got drafted by the Stars a few years ago. Michigan's captain, played for Team USA. Not a big deal. Uh, yeah. So, like, it's <laughs> just awesome. Saw him at the, I saw him at a local bar <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but, cool. yeah. No, super sweet. No, yeah. It's Love, awesome to see this stuff. Yeah. And love to see Buffalo talent. Oh yeah, and a little information on Quentin Musty. Um, he'll be he'll be 16 in less than a month. His birthday is in July. Also so born in 2005. 
Yes. <laughs> Born in 2005. But at the age of 15 right now, he already stands at six foot three, 181 pounds. Whoa. <laughs> so. Quentin Byfield, is that you? <laughs> no, he might actually be something. It's going to be really fun to watch him kind of grow in the OHL and see what he can do there. He will, he will be like Austin Matthews. Even well, no, I'm just that- saying, like, if he's only if he's six three and he's only fifteen, I bet you he's going to grow more. And Byfield's what, like six six? He could definitely sprout. I think Byfield's only like six four or five, but he's big. He's built well. But even in that article um, from the Buffalo News, Musty, um, I think he got interviewed or someone close to him said that he was injured recently, but it was something with his skating so he can still practice shooting in this whole time. He was watching Austin Matthews take wrist shots and um, no better way to learn than from him. Um, as of right now, one of the league's best shooters and best pure wrist shot shooters in the league. I mean, we know OV's patented for his one timer, but I don't think there's a better wrist shot in the league than Matthews right now. Um, good dude to learn from uh and uh yeah hopefully it would be awesome to see this kid do big things definitely i'm really hoping to see it um and with the ohl you know being the ontario hockey league and whatnot and being in canada big news coming out of canada is that u.s teams are allowed to cross the border for games now that we have a set team from Canada that has won. Um, I'm, I'm confused about how this all happened in this well, division. Yeah. First of all, let's talk about talk about the, the travel thing real quick. It's awesome that yeah. the government's Before got I get angry. <laughs> it's awesome that the government's got to this agreement here because basically now Montreal and the winner of Colorado Vegas will both have the opportunity to have legit home ice advantage. So if you guys remember from last episode, we talked about what the hub cities could be or what we think they should be. Um, but now we don't really need them. I mean, the league said it was going to be like an, a sort of modified bubble where players are going to be restricted on where they can go when I think when they're only, I think only when they're in Canada, but I might be wrong, but they still can cross the border, which is the first time we're seeing this since last uh, March. So that's an awesome milestone to hit. I mean, it's really showing that this whole thing is looking like it's close to being over fingers crossed. Hopefully. I know though. However, a lot of fans are upset by the fact that this is happening and the fact that they still can't go like in Canada, they still can't go out and, do almost anything well that's more i think more ontario than canada itself yeah and let's not forget montreal is in quebec so their their rules may be different from ontario and they're obviously a little more lax as we saw with the toronto series toronto only had 500 fans for game seven where montreal had 2500 fans and I think yep. that number is only steadily going up as their vaccination rate is continuing to increase. They've also been having, I've seen videos from last night's game, 
they had like a their version of like the party in the plaza where there was there were fans everywhere outside mm-hmm. of the uh center bell last night or whatever you, you canadians call it <laughs> i think i think they're more upset about the ability to cross the border right which i understand i mean that. i get why they're not doing that yet and i get why people are pissed off about that but this is just a step you know like we're gonna get there eventually but this is a step in the right direction obviously so yeah um, i mean I've speaking from though- fans who don't it doesn't matter, but like, you know, you guys know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think though, if let's say by some magical chance that Montreal beats uh, the avalanche or Vegas, um, you got to think unless COVID magically disappears in two weeks, they will maybe have a hub city for the finals. Right. That, there's that still would a make sense that there is a hub city and there's still a really good chance it could be Buffalo because Recently, I don't know if you guys saw this, um, they're increasing fan capacity for the Blue Jays games. Yep. So to, uh, like 81% of full capacity, which is pretty good for a baseball game. Uh, well, somewhat good for a baseball game. Uh, there were Texas, <laughs> there were, um, Texas Rangers games with full capacity about a month ago. But yeah. still, I think the most likely outcome now is there will be a hub city if by chance Montreal makes it to the finals, which... I'm not going to say it's unlikely because I said it was unlikely they'd beat Toronto and we know how that went. So. Well, that, that kind of leads me to my question here, Stack. So with everything that happened between Montreal and Toronto, I was going to pose it as, would you rather see them lose to Winnipeg or lose to Colorado or lose in the final? But now it's just down to losing to, or I should say Colorado or Vegas, but would you rather see them lose in this upcoming round or in the cup final? As a um, Leafs fan who's pissed as hell. <laughs> well, I would have to probably say, I mean, I would want that. I want them to make it to the cup final because it invalidates everything Steve has been saying and every other dick online, no offense, Steve, but <laughs> every other dick has been saying this whole season is that the North is crap. Um, all the teams suck. Um, the North, no one in the North would survive against the likes of Boston or the Islanders or Colorado or Vegas or, you know, the lightning. If Montreal makes it to the cup finals and gets swept, even I would still be happy, not because they got swept, but because they got there. And it also not even as a Leafs fan. That that take was not even as a Leafs fan. This take is a Leafs fan. It's sort of the same thing with Boston two years ago, where they lost to a very good Boston team in a more even series, but the Saint Leafs Louis. were underdogs. Oh, oh, I think they, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. No, Toronto against. I see. What you, yep, yep. Boston my bad. In the first round, no, it's fine. And you know, Toronto played their asses off, only to you know they lost, right? But they played the team that would go on to lose in seven in the cup finals. So it just means that they played the second best team in the league for seven games and almost won. It's the same thing here. If Montreal makes it to the cup finals and loses, it's exactly the same boat, except this time Toronto was supposed to win. Which, 
Could we just get into my little rage corner now? Or? Well, I just I just wanted to throw a couple quick points in here. I personally think that Montreal, if it's Vegas, I think Montreal has a very good chance of making the finals. If it's Colorado, I think it's less of a chance. But look at the way. I honestly think the opposite. Oh, really? I, I think, also it, think the opposite. Okay. Well, yeah. Because, here's, you know, here's my point okay, to, to either is they just got off of a very hard-fought series against the Maple Leafs, who were one of the best teams in the league. I don't mean to rub salt in the wound stack, but they were. And then they go on to sweep someone who swept Edmonton. I mean, granted, Edmonton has its own flaws, but they sweep the Jets who were off for a week compared to the Canadians who were off for two nights. Carey Price is right, but Carey Price has been on fire. Cole Caulfield, Lekkinen, Kakaniemi, all these guys have been firing on all cylinders. Corey Perry, who the where the where did Corey Perry come from? I mean, and even Eric Stahl, Eric Stahl's faceoff percentage, I think, is like fifty-seven percent in the playoffs. So, I think Montreal showed up to play, and I honestly think it'd be so much fun to see a Boston Montreal Stanley Cup final. That would be my would dream be Stanley Cup final at this point. The only reason to be fun is because I would enjoy it being an original six. And a very old rivalry. <laughs> and it oh. would be my ultimate fucking nightmare. Um, but yeah, also, who, would you, who would you want to win there? <laughs> um, my liver. Um, but really, <laughs> um, getting back to your original point that you like um, – you like Montreal against Vegas better than Montreal against um, Colorado. I would have to disagree only because um, as we've seen the last two games of this series with uh, Colorado and Vegas, um, Vegas is shutting down the big line pretty handily. And lo and behold, Colorado without their, you know, without Kadri and without, they have great depth, but, when the depth isn't scoring and your first line isn't scoring, you're not going to win. Toronto had oodles of depth scoring, but their stars weren't scoring. They lost. So, and that's one part on how well Montreal played and locked them down, but also on the fact that, I mean, it just seemed like they were nervous and I could definitely see, Vegas being a bigger problem purely because of their depth and they're essentially Montreal XL, if you will, Montreal is Vegas light because Montreal doesn't have a pure star, but they have good depth. Vegas has a few guys who aren't traditionally considered stars, but are definitely stars in Vegas. And I mean, you have stone Pacioretty, Stevenson, who's been on a tear lately, March or so, Smith, Carlson, they, their first line from when they went to the cup final is now their like second or third line. And that's, and their defense has only gotten better. Leonard and Fleury are playing amazing. I think Vegas, if they win, they're going to the cup. If they win against Colorado, they're going to the final. And hands down. Yeah. So, so yeah, the other those thing. Are fair points. I see the, the other thing I want to add to it, um, yes, I know we saw Leonard get lit up in that first game against Colorado. 
but Leonard and Fleury are better than Philip Grubauer, in my opinion. I know Philip Grubauer has played out of his mind all year. He's played out of his mind in the playoffs. He's been, you know, going on the up and up. He's he's building into a starting goaltender that you can rely on. Yes, Flurry, as we know, has a lot of experience with playoffs and with longevity of seasons. Mm-hmm. Flurry is a better goaltender, in my opinion, than Carey Price. And as Stack mentioned, the depth of Vegas is unreal. They have 10 players with five-plus points alone in these playoffs. That's insane. Including including the likes of Chandler Stevenson, Nick Holden, a defenseman, Matthias Janmark has six points. A new defenseman as well. Yeah, Holden, I, I did not expect him to be this, you know, steady. I, I just think that Vegas is the all-around better team, um, and I don't think Montreal can get. I don't think Montreal can get past either Colorado or Vegas. Yeah, I like I, their chances better against Colorado. I like their chances better against Colorado, but I still don't think they win unless Carey Price stays how he's playing. Which, considering they now get mm, at least five days of rest maybe more. Uh, he's only going to be better. He's been extremely good when he's well-rested. As we saw, he was nursing an injury for a little bit, and then the Toronto series, he just played unreal. Well, I mean, I guess it's time to uh, talk about what you know we've all been waiting to talk about. We as in you guys, so you can dunk on me, but really the thing that I've been dreading talking about since... Uh, Monday of last week, week and a day or so. Toronto loses in seven games to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, 3-1 in game seven. After leading 3-1 in the series, Montreal storms back and wins game five, six, and seven. Um, once again, the Leafs lose in spectacular fashion. Um... Losing Tavares in the first game did not help at all. But losing Jake Muzzin uh, towards the tail end of game six made it worse. I'm not going to make excuses. They do win that series if if they have Tavares the whole time. I have no doubt in my mind about that. Big part of their power play, which has been struggling, yeah, but they, they blew it. I mean, there's no way to get around it. I mean, everyone says, you know, everyone's saying, oh, Toronto's spectacular playoff chokers. This is the first time they were heavy favorites in a series, at least in the Matthews and Marner era, Um, which it is. It is the Matthews era, at least. Um, They were, by almost every metric, every outlet, you know, Sportsnet, TSN, you know, Every outlet, every metric said Toronto's the better team. Every outlet said Toronto's going to win handily, except for Eric Engels. Uh, I believe of Sportsnet, he said Montreal would win in seven, and lo and behold, Eric, you were right. But still, this is a massive blunder. It sets the team back pretty far. It screws over the Shanna plan. Um, and now things are going to change drastically for the Leafs because Zach Hyman's deal is done. 
Um, Morgan Riley has one year left. Frederick Anderson's um, time in Toronto is most likely over as his contract is also up. Um, despite the uh, cap space that this frees up for the Leafs, um, there are going to be a lot of changes on the way. Um, ones I'm not excited to talk about, ones I am excited to talk about. But, yeah, this is a big reset. And, yeah, I I am unbelievably angry. Um, I, the obvious other elephant in this room is, at least in their room, the Leafs locker room, is Matthews and Marner combined for one goal. And I think I'm tiny handful of assists the whole series um it's just you don't pay you don't get paid 11 million dollars to be bystanders and you know matthews was all congratulating philip deneau at the end of the series for locking him down that's not i wouldn't call it cowardly it's you're just admitting defeat you get paid 11 million dollars to take over and play better than guys like that. You're paid that money to take over games, not congratulate a guy for shutting you down for six or seven games. I mean, you know, and as soon as the series ended and even before there was massive amounts of talk of trade Marner, he's been awful the whole series. And he was, I will not make excuses for this player. I have had a sour taste in my mouth for him since he held the team hostage for $11 million when he was worth no more than William Nylander, who has now, who had exceeded his, what he was worth in his contract last year. But as a result of his play in the regular season and the playoffs this year is a steal for six and a half, $6.9 million. Um, I would be extremely comfortable with trading Marner. Of course, no one expected the pandemic to happen. If it didn't by now, we would see a $90 million cap and the Leafs would have been able to surround the top four with better talent. Um, they have a chance to do that this offseason. Of course, with Hyman and Anderson's money gone, maybe trading Morgan Riley because he's got one year left. Who who the hell knows? Losing Alexander Kerfoot to Seattle, which could happen because of just purely how much money he makes. But, like, I won't put this loss on William Nylander. William Nylander is the last person who deserves any blame. He silenced the critics. He played hard. He fought in the corners. He laid hits. He scored. He passed. He was their best player for five, six of the seven games. And the lone goal in game seven was William Nylander's. It seemed like he was the only dude who wanted to fucking be on the ice. Uh, Mitch Marner skated scared in the corners and shied away from hits and was trying to make pretty plays instead of driving harder than that like he has done in the regular season. I mean, it just blows my mind how they let this slip this was the best team of my lifetime and stack i got a question for you can i finish first yeah sorry but this was the best team of my lifetime my dad said this is the second best team of his lifetime and they pissed it away i i don't know how i can be a fan after this 
Like, I, you know, I'm trying to get hype for next season. I'm trying to keep it alive. I'm trying to find some reason to find some fucking positive from this. The only positives I know of is that Jason Spezza is an animal. William Nylander is heart and soul. Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, and Jack Campbell played out of his fucking mind. He has some of the best goalie stats in the playoffs remaining, and he got trounced in the first round. I'm not going to completely blame all of that on Marner and Matthews, but they if they if they score two goals more than their one goal, if they score three goals in the series, they win. If they find one extra goal, if they find a spark in overtime in game five or six, we're not talking about Marner and Matthews not showing up, at least not as much. And, you know, people are already saying that the team next year is going to be better because they're going to make some free agent signings. There's a lot of nice left-wing free agents, and the Leafs' left wings have not been great for a while. They've had right, you know, they've had guys who are right-handed playing the left wing for forever now. It was Zach Hyman and Connor Brown for a while. Now it's just Zach Hyman, and they were struggling to find really high-skilled left-wingers. And... You know, is it an oversight by Dubas for not acquiring a guy like Taylor Hall and getting Nick Felino instead? I would say slightly, only because Felino was injured, came off an injury, got traded, and then got re-injured almost immediately and had been forcing himself to play through injury, and the team let it. And to that end, Kyle Dubas could never have imagined that the scoring from your top guys would dry up that much. And you can't predict Tavares getting injured in game one like that and being knocked out for the whole series until the second round that they never even got to. However, that being said, this summer, there are some left wings I'm looking forward to, maybe them signing. But I, you know, I wouldn't be sad to see Mitch Marner leave. I've always liked William Nylander better. But talking up all season of like, you know, last off season, he said he was working on his shot and everything. And yeah, he was on a 30 goal pace. Him and Matthews were on insane paces this year, but I, I don't want them to be known as a regular season juggernaut for my, you know, my whole life, <laughs> really. My whole, my whole life up to the end of high school, they were bottom dwellers and now they're really good, but they just need to take the extra step. And I think that extra step comes with some depth scoring. However, I just really cannot find it in my heart to be genuinely interested in this team until they show me something in the playoffs. So, so stack, I want to, I want to pose this question to you. Yes. Do you think, um, the reason, especially this playoffs, with how good this team was this year, um, do you think knowing how skilled the players are, like Matthews, like Marner, and like Tavares, and like I know we lost, you guys lost Tavares in Game One, but do you think like the guys, especially Marner and Matthews, were trying to make things too flashy for a because they're on a bigger stage now, and they were trying to do too much? 
and getting too far away from the little things that they were doing right during the regular season. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. I mean, Steve Dangle talked about it. I mean, I know I, it feels like I bring him up every show, but I didn't notice it. And he brought it up in one of their more recent shows. Um, I think it was game four or five. Matthews tried the Patrick Kane spinorama backhand shot on goal in the playoff on a normal right. shift. Why? And like, unless you're up by seven goals, you don't do that. Exactly. And I don't know if it's they got, you know, they tried to be too pretty, which they definitely did. I think it's more that they tried to be pretty because they were scared and they didn't know how to adjust. Which, I mean, again, I, you know, bring up the Steve Dangle podcast again. It feels like, it feels like Matthews is a guy who can learn that sort of clutch gene that like, you know, what to do, how to adjust and take over, you know, but Marner, Marner is bigger than Braden Point, but Braden Point is everything Mitch Marner should have been and could have been and was ad, was was advised as being. I mean, Braden Point lays hits. Braden Point goes into the corner. Braden Point isn't invisible in the playoffs. I mean, he was their one of, if not their best player last year when they won the cup. Tampa, this is. But I don't know. I, I hope they trade him. You know, I, I never thought I'd say that, and it was never supposed to end up this way. But I don't see a world where they keep him and they get better. Well, and even again, Brandon Point is Tampa's leading scorer throughout these playoffs. Exactly. Toronto's leading scorer was William Nylander, who I have always said was better than Mitch Marner. Well, let me jump in here, Stack, to give you a little bit of uh, Mr. Optimism here. So looking at the Marner thing, you know, you say it's it's never supposed to be that way. Look at us with Eichel right now. You know, we never thought we would be talking about trading Jack Eichel. I never thought I'd be somewhat excited about a possible Jack Eichel trade, but here I am right now looking at guys like Quentin Byfield and Alex Turcott from the LA Kings and licking my chops, like saying, Kevin Adams, what are you doing? When are you going to do this? Um, but if you do trade Marner, you're going to get a hell of a lot in return and you're going to yeah. get a hell of, hell of a lot of cap space to keep guys like Spezza, Hyman, Galchenyuk. I, I honestly think you should try to keep Galchenyuk. He stepped into this team and he actually played well in the bottom six. Um, yeah, he did look really good, except for uh, game five, right? 10, 10 seconds in. Yeah, but honestly, I think you have to start with trading Marner, and I'm really worried that the blame is going to fall to Nylander for whatever reason it always does. But Nylander is a, the most underappreciated player on that team. One of, I should say, and maybe not the most, but he's one of the most underappreciated by the media, I should say, and by most Toronto fans. Uh, yep, I would agree. I think and, this was his coming out party, though. I think now people have woken up. Yeah, and I think any team in the NHL would kill to have Nylander on their team. Most teams in the NHL would kill to have Marner on their team. So yeah. I think Dubis is going to see that and say, okay, look, yes, Marner is a very good scorer. He is a more than point-per-game scorer in the regular season, but he has five point, or five goals in 32 playoff games in his entire career. 
and 20 assists. Now those 20 assists are very important. Yes. But five goals from a guy that scores how many points in the regular season? I mean, I think he was four, third or fourth in scoring this year. He had 20 goals in 55 in games. Like he's had yes. 19 goals, 22 goals, 26, 16, 20. Those are good numbers, but they're not $11 million numbers. Yes. No. He is a more than point per game scorer by three points. He's had a lot of assists. But well, they don't look at Marner to score. They look at him to set up Matthews right. to score. Right. But at the same time, when Matthews isn't scoring, a guy like Marner needs to step up, like Nylander did, like Spezza, who is 37 years old. Granted, Spezza has more you know, experience in the league and whatnot, but I just think that Marner just – he kind of just plays like a little bitch, in all honesty. He does, Like you said, Stack, he doesn't go in the corners. He doesn't hit. He doesn't use his size. And – he plays like he's still in, in junior almost where he thinks he can just dangle through everybody. I mean, for the, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, for those that don't know, Marner does only stand six foot one seventy five. What's Braden point. Probably about the same. I think. I think he probably weighs a little more. Mitch Marner looks like a skeleton. Braden point. Stands 5'10", 183. So he's two inches shorter, but yeah. he's got a, a couple more pounds on him. And it's probably low-key more muscle Definitely mass. But regardless of that, he's two inches shorter going up to a guy like, say, Zdeno Chara or in this in this Carolina series, like Brady Shea or Jordan Stahl, like a big guy or Dougie Hamilton – and he's going up in front of them, in front of the net, and just bullying them and pushing them out of the way, or at least trying to. You know, yeah. Marner, Marner is not the type of player that the Leafs need him to be. Right, and like obviously, there's some players that just aren't that type of player. Like there's a player that's just finesse. But if he's just that finesse player, then you need somebody else on that line that can be your guy that gets in the dirty areas and has that not to quote suburban hockey dad, but grit and jam. And just gets nasty and physical with people. So yeah. he, he didn't do that on the first goal of game seven. He shied away from a hit from Brendan Gallagher, who is uh, smaller than him. And Brendan Gallagher scores, Leafs lose. I mean, you can't fucking write it up any better. I mean, Brendan Gallagher like is a pretty, he's a pretty five foot eight, I believe, but he's pretty feisty for a little guy like that. He's yeah, not. He's he, not. He, he's five point, nine. Like, but, Marner shouldn't be. He can't play afraid. Right. Like, he wants to win and be like Dougie, like Doug Gilmore. Yep. Doug, and honestly, Doug Gilmore I think, never was afraid. I think the one thing that could really help the Leafs this offseason is leaning on that connection with Gilmore, and trying to get him to talk to some of these guys like Matthews and Marner because I know. From listening to the Chicklets interview a couple weeks ago with Gilmore, say he, there's a very strong connection between Matthews and Marner and yeah, Doug he's Gilmore. An, he's an ambassador. Yeah, if if Dubis can really utilize that this offseason and tell him to just or get him to just wake the guys up, pretty much, I think that might also be a very good route for the Leafs to go. Um, the problem is also. Um, the Leafs should have Joe Joe Thornton should not have touched the ice after Game One. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> could Wayne Wayne Simmons dried up. I mean. Yeah, Keith Keith should have probably wasn't that good. Like, yeah, Keith probably should have rotated and late hits and everything, but he had he had one goal I think in the whole series. Yeah. Like. Uh, Keith, you know, Keith probably should have tried to identify that a little better and, you know. Yeah. And then, like, Keith said, oh, you felt a series shift when Caulfield and Kakaniemi came in. Who cares? They're, like, they they're first-year players. Kakaniemi smaller than Marner and lighter than Marner. And, yeah. Or not Kakaniemi, Caulfield's. Caulfield's the one of the smallest guys in the league. Yeah, and he's and also Kakaniemi's twenty years been, old. He's been a nothing in every regular season he's ever played in. Right. But oh, he's he's a playoff scorer because he scored a few goals against the Leafs. Like Caulfield has nineteen NHL games under his belt, ten of which are regular season, nine of which are playoffs, and he only has four goals and nine as or yeah, nine assists. That's that's, that's pretty good. And, and that's, well, yes, you. that's pretty good, but. Like I said, he is 20 years old, draft year plus one, with only 19 games under his belt. Like, the Leafs should be able to squander, or not squander, uh, what's the and word? Squash that. That's like, the other thing, is Keith made no adjustments this series. Right. He, he barely tried to separate, like, he didn't try to separate Matthews from Marner. He didn't try uh, too much to get them away from the Dano line. Mm-hmm. Who is who is the other wing with Matthews and Marner? Hyman. Mm. I want to see Nylander play with them. Yeah, they, or they Nylander did, they tried replaced. it a few times and they did nothing. Mm. They, they were not. I want to see an option every time. I want to see Nylander and Matthews. I want to see Nylander and Nylander Matthews together and put Marner on a different line. Put on Marner on the line with Tavares. Yeah, I mean, I love the way Matthews and Nylander played together. They knew where each other were at all times. Like, right. not that, not to say that Marner doesn't, but like, they go he too flashy. Better with Tavares, anyways. Well, I think they tried. They both try to be too flashy together. Whereas Nylander won't make it flashy. He'll make the smart play. Yeah, like sure, Nylander misses the net a lot, and you know he, but he won't try to do flashy passes and overshoot and overpass Matthews like Marner does, and he's not going to try and, you know, pass through 20 people unless he knows he can get it there. Nylander's the smartest Maple Leaf player. <laughs> I mean, like, and in this whole series, he back-checked and everything. He was their most complete player. Yeah. And I, I've had enough of talking about this. Yeah. If I could, t- If I could bring away anything good, Campbell's our starter for next year and hopefully many years after. He looked amazing. If he keeps it up, I'm happy. Nylander, fucking phenomenal. The Leafs' defense is the best I've seen it in my lifetime. Um, I, you know, as soon as the series ended, people were like, the Leafs should get Seth Jones. The defense wasn't the problem, and Seth Jones is a bum anyways. All his numbers are garbage. Uh, you know, sure that might be a product of playing on a not so good Columbus team, but that Columbus team is built defense first. And he's hey, I'll, not I'll take that Jones on Sabres though. He's not mm. a good one. But anyways, the Leafs need depth scoring. I'm looking forward to what they do in free agency. I'm looking forward to trades. 
And Lord knows they're going to make some because uh, I think it's either from Pierre Lebron or Elliot Friedman. Uh, Dubas might revisit some moves that he had planned during the season that never came to fruition because of a few things. And I mean, it had been said that they were in on Mikhail Granlund. They were in on um, Ekholm from Nashville. They were in on a couple other guys too. And I'm interested to see how they address the depth scoring. That is their biggest need. And... They need depth scoring that's young. They have, like, I understand the ageless wonders of Jason Spezza. Wayne Simmons <laughs> played decently. Joe Thornton's played well. But they need younger depth scoring. Yeah, they need guys. Well, they have a few prospects who need a shot, like a Nick Robertson, like an Adam Brooks, like um, – I mean, not even offensive prospects. Timothy Liljegren needs a shot. And I think Seattle is going to help address this. I think I think the Leafs um, make a few guys available who one would both remove some cap and remove a roster spot for a guy who needs a chance. Um, if they, you know, if they lose a forward and a defenseman, which could happen, I mean, say they lose Justin Hall and – I don't know, Alex Kerfoot. That one that frees up five and a half million dollars on top of Freddie Anderson's five million and Zach Hyman's two and a half million. So that brings them up to thirteen million in cap space, if my math is correct. It probably isn't because I'm bad at math. But either way. And if you and if you trade Marner, I'm not saying you want to or you're going to, but if you trade Marner, that right there alone is ten point nine. Yeah. So you, that's, if you that's, lose you know, all of 20, those contracts, 24 yeah. million. Yeah. That's Taylor Hall, who's a free agent. That's other depth pieces. Right. And Granlin and, is also a free agent. Yeah. Granlin, I mean, I, I, I've had enough about this. Yeah. No, I get you. I'm going to just end yeah. with I am excited to see the depth they add. If they stay pat, I will not be watching next year. I do not have enough faith in the current team as it's constructed. Yeah. So, on that note. Yeah, with that, we're going to jump over to a team that has weirdly good depth uh, that is currently leading a series over in the East, and that's the New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins. The Isles lead that series 3-2. They play tomorrow night, Wednesday, June 9th. The Islanders trying to finish off that series. Uh, we, we've, we've talked about this many times. The Islanders are just too sound defensively, and that's what helps them. Yeah, I mean, Sorokin and Varlamov have been phenomenal. I mean, it, it, this Islanders team has had dependable goaltending for backups and starters for I don't know how many years. They had um, Grice and L- Leonard. Varlamov and Grice, Varlamov and Leonard, Varlamov and Sorokin. I mean, you go back to, again, we're going to talk about a Chicklets episode. They just interviewed Billy Smith. They had good goaltending back in the day when they first started being a franchise. So this team has just always been a very defensively sound team and a team that can always just bore you to death but win the hockey game, which is... I mean, sure, like I've always said, I hate the way they play, 
but I love the fact that they win because it's just funny to see that like, you know, this team is so boring to just put it bluntly. I mean, they had 19 shots on goal last game to Boston's 44 and they won the game five to four. So they beat Tuka Rask on four goals and then they beat Jeremy Swayman on three shots. Swayman only faced three shots and he only made two saves. So it's just, these guys have quality over quantity. I mean, as much as people say Barzell should be out of the Island cause you know, he has offensive power and like this, that, and the other thing. Barzell uses it when he needs to, and he's honestly become a much and better defensive player because of the way this team plays. He's not even leading their team in points. Right, that too. It's not like, even anyone who you'd think it'd be. It's Anthony Bavillier and John Gabriel Peugeot leading their team in points with 11 throughout these two series so far. Well, I think I would I would put Peugeot up there. I, he I, has 11 points. He's leading the team in right, points. Right, yeah. So it's just crazy how like Trotz has made this team work. And everyone will say, like, oh, they're boring. Oh, they're this, they're that. They're beating the Boston Bruins, who, like Stack said, two years ago, they were game seven. They lost to the St. Louis Blues. Last year, they were still just as good. They just didn't get as far. So it's just it's wild to see that this team is finding this much success by only shooting the puck 19 times a night and scoring five goals on one of the best goalies in the league. I mean, that's insane. We're we're hitting this one quick before we jump over to Carolina, Tampa. Do we think the Isles finish it tomorrow night? No. Yes. Wait, are they in Boston tomorrow night? No, they're on the island. They're on oh, the island. Then tomorrow. yes, they are going to win tomorrow. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what my reasoning. I, I mean, don't... the Coliseum has been absolutely rocking. Yeah, I mean, they're. Yeah, I think <laughs> like they that, do. that building. That building is unreal. To I mean, to be on the wrong end of like Leafs and the Leafs and the Leafs fans were two years ago when Tavares signed. Um, mm-hmm. Three years ago, roughly. Um, yeah, not a fun place to play in the regular season. I can only imagine how it is now. I think they do. However, I do kind of want to see this series go to seven because I think it'd be fun to watch a game seven of Isles Bruins. If it goes to seven, the Bruins win. I, I don't think that if they have that momentum going back to Boston, Pasta's been hot all series, regardless of how his team has played. He had two goals last night, I think. I know he had two when I was watching. I don't know if he got one more or not, but they were very close to coming back last night too. They scored a goal with, I think, a minute 30 to go. And I don't know. I think – New York has to close it out tomorrow night or it's going to be a very tough game seven for them in Boston. So moving over to game happening right now, lightning versus the hurricanes as, as it is right now, as we're recording this on Tuesday, lightning lead one, nothing at the end of two periods. They lead the series three, one lightning have been all over Carolina. It's been very close games. Every game has been, very close, aside from the 6-4 game four a couple nights ago. 
Other than that, it was three two hurricanes, two to one lightning, and two to one lightning. Yeah, I mean this series has been insane. That six four game, eight of those ten goals were scored in the second period. Well, and it's it's an anomaly. <laughs> it's it's an anomaly for this series too, because as we right. saw, two one two one three two. Right, it's all been one goal games. Um, in this game tonight specifically, I mean, and in game four too, I believe Carolina has been giving the lightning way too many power play opportunities. I know. I mean, the, in that game four, the lightning were three for six. The lightning are just, they're that good on the power or uh, the power play. No, Kucherov so, is that good on the power play because yes. he only plays in the playoffs. Yes. <laughs> and you can't give a team like this, that opportunity that many times. I mean, if you look at the series as a whole, I think they're like nine for like 15 or 16, but that's still really good. That's, that's unreal. That's unreal for a power play. Right. So I don't think Carolina wins tonight. Unfortunately, I would have loved to see them go on to the next round, but I just think Tampa is too strong right now. Um, they almost scored a goal at the end of the second period there. Stamkos ripped it from like outside the blue line as the clock was expiring. And it got through Nedjakovic, who has been a very good goalie for Carolina, which is surprising that he is the starter over Mrazek. But he's up for the call. He's, right been, now. he's been playing so well yes. this year, this, yeah. this playoffs, ever yeah. since he came in the lineup in the end of the season. Yep. But I just think that, you know, these two teams have been, like we've said, very evenly matched. And I think that. I have a feeling if Tampa will, if Tampa wins this out, which I think they will, they're going to the Cup Finals, which is very unfortunate because I don't. For, want to for some, that. for some odd reason, if the Isles win, I see the Isles beating Tampa. I, I don't, don't know them. why. I don't know about. I see that happening. I don't know about them beating Tampa, but I do see them giving them a run for their money. Um, but overall, Carolina just hasn't looked like themselves. Aho, no. Teravine, and Svechnikov—they just haven't done much um so it's just kind of tough to see because like this team looked very hot coming in i think oh they God, were they look so good i think they were third place in the league if i'm not they, right. they were they were they were two points behind both vegas and colorado which we'll get to in just a minute yeah. um and that's just because vegas and colorado is a different breed of themselves yeah um but they were two points behind them at the end of the season i do want to note told you guys I would call myself out if I was wrong. Um, I was very wrong about the Predators. <laughs> Do we think Carolina's bounced back after two straight double overtime losses? Yes. Yes. Yes, I agree. I just want to put it out there to see if any of you had differencing Although, opinions. I think Nashville will win the series. And I We'll let that come bite me in the ass if it doesn't happen. How can, how can Carolina bounce back? Oh, I think they'll bounce play? back in like a game or two, like have like a good game, like this, like this upcoming game. But I think Nashville is going to win it out. I don't know why. I just have a good feeling about them. But I will let I will edit this into the episode where they have lost and you guys rip on me for them losing. So I will fully accept responsibility for if this goes. Yeah, Carolina, well. Carolina I think is still going to run away with the series after those two brutal losses. I have to see. Um, I was so in on them making it to game seven and winning it, and I was extremely wrong. So rip on me all you want. 
I don't care. I was wrong. It was a stupid decision. Carolina is just too good of a team for Nashville to be able to beat them. I can understand Tampa being able to have this kind of success on them, but for Nashville to be able to yeah. beat them in a series, Nashville doesn't have the firepower to do that. Right. They they had a lot of depth, but Na- Nashville is built more like a more like a Montreal. Yeah, and they don't have a style, as solid of goaltending as a Montreal and Carey Price. And you say Saros is not Carey Price level. Yeah, their defense out of outside of Yossi, Ekholm, and Ellis is pretty much no names. Yep, Fabro is starting to make a name, but it's he, he wasn't he wasn't all that in that series. I couldn't right. name their I honest to goodness couldn't name their two other defensemen than Fabro and Ellis. I can't either. And, uh, uh, I can tell you. I can't either, um, so and that's the downfall of that team. We got Yossi Ellis, Eric Goodbranson, Ekholm, Matthew Benning, David Ferentz, who's 21, Dante Fabro, 22, obviously. Jeremy Davies, 24. Yeah, um, I, I think we get the point now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ben Harper. <laughs> so ben, Leafs legend, Ben Harper. Yeah. We've, we've had a lot of talk of, you know, what we could see in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um in the next coming weeks, a series that has looked like the Stanley Cup Finals that we talked about a little bit earlier on in the show, Vegas-Colorado, currently tied at two. They play tonight, Tuesday the 8th, game five. Vegas won both their games at home. Colorado won the first two when they were at home. It's 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 been an unreal series it's it's the most exciting series and going back to what we were talking about how um montreal has to face one of these two teams the other reason i say montreal has almost no chance against them is the reason they were able to beat toronto is they both play play an east coast game montreal is i don't think can keep up with the west coast pace that colorado and vegas have Yes. They're just so fast-paced, so fun to watch, and it's the puck is always moving. There is never a dull moment in in a West Coast game, especially a, with teams like Vegas and Colorado. And Montreal, I don't think, has any chance of keeping up with them. I think it may be five or six games, either team they face, but it's not going anywhere near seven games. Yeah. And, I mean, I think personally – Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the NHL right now. Hands down, he's better than McDavid. He's better than Matthews, better than Ovi, better than Crosby. All around, yes. In this season and in maybe in last season. I'm not saying like overall in his whole career, but in this year, he's just been phenomenal. He has 13 points in eight playoff games. Overall, he has 67 points in 48 playoff games. Playoff Nate McKinnon is not to be messed with. And even in the regular season, he has 560 points in 573 games. So it's just an insane stat to look at. I mean, he is one of, he is going to be a hall of famer, obviously, but all the people saying like McDavid's better or no offense stack, but Matthews is better or Ovi or whoever McKinnon is better than all of them. So, McDavid is the best flashy and, you know, otherworldly talent. Matthews is the best shooter. 
Ovechkin is the best um, one-timer and, you know, he's always going to be reliable. Crosby is one of the best playmakers. McKinnon is probably the best all-around player in the NHL right now. Yeah. He yep. will get to the dirty area. He will make the flashy play. He will make the defensive play. He will make the amazing shot. He'll do almost anything that you need him to do. And the big thing about Nate McKinnon, he literally has already said, come my next contract, which I believe is either next season or season after, he'll take another pay cut because he wants to win with this team. Um, That's the biggest thing of why I love Nathan McKinnon so much. He is signed through 2023. So he'll be up at the end. In two years. In two years, he'll be up. Three years. Or, well, yeah, sorry. This two year. years. It's 2021 right now, bud. Yeah, I know, but it's um, cap friendly. It's still got three, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I I got to agree. Uh, I think Nathan McKinnon's the best of both worlds. Um, you know, every player is different, but the, the, at the basic level, he's got the speed of McDavid and the shooting skill of Matthews, you know, almost, really. He – Well, and then he, he has someone the like ice Marner ice. next to him too. Yeah, well – I mean, Miko Rantanen has yeah. been playing unreal himself. Yeah. And, and same with Kale McCarr. No slouch. And they're going to get Kadri back. I think at the, if they, if they get to, I think it's, if they get to game seven, he'll be I think back. it's game seven. Yeah. He'll be back and for game that, seven. That is yes. very, that would be very big for them because if they, make not it. To, right. Not to say he's been the huge, the biggest, input for the team but he's, he's a depth piece that's needed in yeah. this case with a team like vegas who's also just as deep right i well, mean yeah i mean you look at the two tor- last two series as he was with toronto they lost him and look what happened they exactly mm. lo and behold if they had Con- if they have kadri both times i think in 2018 they still lose but 2019, if they have Kadri that whole time, there's no reason they should have should have lost. Yeah, I think I think yeah. last year. I year hope, I hope we don't. Yeah, I'm just. I hope we don't see something similar here with Colorado. Yeah, because I honestly that is. I mean, I would love. I would have loved to see Toronto win. As weird as that sounds, coming from a Sabres fan, I wanted Toronto to win. I think it's more us but, as Sabres fans, just like we know how much the pain is with yes. us and we don't want to have to continue to see it because we get so much Toronto media as well. Yeah, We don't want to see the exact same thoughts that we always have. What I was going to finish that with is I now that they're out, my West Coast pick and my Western Conference division, whatever, was Colorado from the start because Colorado hasn't won it, I don't think, since 2002. And or 2001, somewhere around there. And it would be awesome to see Landeskog, um, McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, a lot of, I think almost every player on this team get their first Stanley Cup. So, Um, you know, Colorado is what the Shanna plan was supposed to be. Yes. Very much so. And to that end, I would love to see Colorado just for Nas and Kadri. So... Vegas, I would love to see for a couple other different guys, namely Max Pacioretty, because he's on his way out. But it's hard to hate either team, really. I so, just forgot. Colorado has Devin Dubnik as a backup. <laughs> That's something I just remembered. That's pretty funny. So one, one, one last thing before we jump into some closing time. 
Um, Colorado Vegas is going to seven games. Hands down, no doubt in my mind, they're going to seven games. Yes. I think Colorado wins tonight. As we saw already, Colorado won both their home games. Vegas won both of their home games. It's going to continue until – I think it's going to continue. However, um, this is me being a little optimistic, but also just knowing the way that these teams play, I would put money down that Vegas will would win it in Game 7. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, though it's in, even though it's in Colorado, yeah, Mar- Marcheseau has been catching fire. Oh my God, Marcheseau has been on fire. He's been, Will Carlson he, is leading this team in points right now. Riley Smith has also popped off recently, so I think that with some of their depth guys and some of their main guys going off at the same time, unless Colorado can win in Vegas, like if they win tonight. They need to win in Vegas, or this, or they lose the series. Well, I mean, if they win in Vegas, they win the series. If well, right, that's tonight. what I'm, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they need to win tonight. And they need to win in Vegas. Like, I don't think they can win the game seven. Either, either way, I think winner of this series. I, I said this probably beginning of the season. Beginning of the season, even. Um, we can go back and listen to that. Beginning of the playoffs, I know I said this. As long as Vegas and Colorado win their first series. Whoever wins the Vegas Colorado series will win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. There's almost no doubt in my mind. Whoever wins the Vegas Colorado series, they're the two best teams in the league. And we saw that for many years, many, many times throughout the season. Vegas and Colorado are the two best teams in the NHL right now. That's and why they finished first and second. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's why you saw at the end of the season somehow Colorado jumped Vegas, even though they had the same amount of points. Well, it's it's was, been an unreal season. Yep. For many reasons. We know it's shortened season, COVID, and everything, but it's been unreal in the fact of watching those two teams in the same division all year long battle it out. And it's given us probably, in my opinion, the best series of the playoffs. And it'll probably go down as the best series of this playoffs. Mm-hmm because of how fun and entertaining it has been. It sucks that it's on late at night for us East Coast people, but I know plenty of us have been staying up and watching those games or at least following along with those games. I know I've been staying up to at least follow along because I can't watch it anymore because Vegas likes to lose when I watch, so I just can't watch them. Um, but whoever wins this series wins the Stanley Cup. And as we head into closing time, we are joined by Steve coming on here. Steve, how Very are you? late in the show. You missed a lot. <laughs> Fashionably I, late. Yeah, I, I mean, you guys said, uh, yo, Steve, you, you take take the week off. You know, well, we, we got this down. Uh, when in reality, you probably just wanted a week break from me. So joke's on you, fuckers. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so... This past weekend, which is why, you know, I wasn't on today, I'm kind of falling out of it. I don't really know what's going on in the hockey world because I was in the Adirondacks this past weekend. Just got back yesterday. This beautiful cabin, which was way nicer than it had any right being. Like, the worst part, and I was telling some of my friends at work, uh, the worst part, now get the start of this sentence. The worst part is the private beach was 
on a was at the bottom of a hill. So when I kept forgetting things because I'm a dumbass, I have to run back up the hill. So Ben's been there. My my dad's been up for the past week, so I've been seeing him a lot, which is awesome. I actually just came back from dinner with him and my uh, brother Dan. Uh, at it's a great time. You know, talked about life, philosophy, and all good things. So, so I'll leave you guys with one good, really, really funny story from our weekend. So th- there are, t- there were two kayaks at this, uh, at this cabin we were at. They're like just there to use our friends who we drove up with. They had a truck. So they all brought their two kayaks. Plus my girlfriend's little mini rinky dink piece of shit kayak. The thing she takes on the canal and it's okay. Cause it's just the canal. Well, the wind and the current took us way the fuck out. So we're way far away from our dock. She's starting to take on water when a couple of jack wagons in their speedboats do some fucking donuts nearby, sending waves our way. Now, I have one of the essentially a rental kayak, so I'm fine. The other two are pretty heavy, heavy duty kayaks. Meanwhile, my girlfriend's kayak flips over so now her rinky dink little piece of shit kayak is now overturned into the water we had a bungee cord with us so we hooked it and i'm towing this thing and then my girlfriend is uh uh, being towed by someone else and kind of there for the ride well (laughs) now we're going against the current into the wind towing my girlfriend and her sunk kayak that was the worst. It's really heavy, and it was really far. So what happened <laughs> is we ended up going to the shore on some random person's dock. And now I'm pretty strong. I haven't worked out in a long time, but I'm pretty strong. I could not get this fucking thing out of the water. I had to lift it most of the way up to get some of the water to drain, then got it all the way out for the rest of the water to drain, which took almost 10 minutes. Just to get the fucking water out. Imagine dumping a gallon of water for 10 minutes. That's what it was like. That's how much water was in this piece of shit. So then finally, you know, put it back in the water. She's okay. I'm trailing uh, the two girls because our friend Alex had a, before he took on too much water, he had to get back because he had third degree separated shoulder and a hernia, but he toughed it out because he's a hockey player. So he's already back. I'm making sure nothing, no other fuckery happens. And I want to go fast. I want to see how fast I can go in a kayak. It's my first time in a kayak. So periodically, I'll wait back, let them get ahead, and I'll see how fast I can catch up. So I do that three times. Shore's in sight. They're on shore. It's like, all right, let me really see how fast I can fucking go in this thing. So I'm hauling ass, hauling ass, and all of a sudden, crack. The fucking paddle broke in half. I broke the fucking rental paddle in half. It was metal. And it snapped like a fucking twig. Steve, that's concerning. My God, this was, this is my first time kayaking. Like, it was fun, but at what cost? So I have a story that can pair along with that. The same thing happened to my buddy with his own kayak and his own paddle. But at the beginning of a day of fishing, 
it was eight in the morning and he broke his paddle on the way out to our fishing spot. And we were going to, yeah. And we were going to three other lakes that day. (laughs) So the same thing happened to him, but at the beginning of the day, not the end of the day. (laughs) Well, this was like one o'clock, one, one 32. Like this is still early in the day, but luckily it was the end of our shit on the water. But yeah, yeah, I I get what you're saying, but it was just like, Oh (laughs) God, we already had a broken light bulb in the house. And you know, now I've broken this paddle and no, like I had a beer, like a beer, (laughs) like all this shit's happening. We just started It's like, God, can you wait till I light a fire? Which I did every night, made a lot of fires. Yay. We had a bonfire pit. It wasn't, you know, a brush fire. That's no fun. <laughs> Any, anywho, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't have, since I had the time, to let everyone know this astounding feat of fuckery. Well, always good to have you on. And, and real quick before we jump into full-fledged closing time, best series going on right now. Even. Oh, Vegas, Colorado. Not, did was that a question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because if that was that that was a rhetorical question, Farley. Because if that was an honest question, you're out of your damn mind. Okay, fine. Besides Vegas, Colorado, you like the Carolina, Tampa, or Isles Bruins more? I wish every team could lose. That's I hate all these teams. I really do. Tampa Bay's the most scuzzy team in the league that has skill. Carolina, I've never forgiven them for 2006. I have. Why do you Montre- hate Fuck Colorado? Montreal. I hate Montreal. You- I hate Montreal, no, I hate no, Montreal more Colorado than – I don't care. They're still in. I hate I hate Montreal more than I hate the Leafs. So, like, at Bo- Boston. Fuck Boston. I hate Boston. <laughs> and the Islanders are boring as hell. Do you what think am I supposed to be tonight? rooting for here? For tomorrow night. Like, what am I supposed to root for? Like – Getting a root canal instead of my wisdom teeth out? Like, why? <laughs> why? God, why? The hockey gods are the, assholes. Color me surprised the pessimist uh, does not want any team to win anymore. <laughs> <laughs> last last question thought? for you before we jump over to Stack for some closing time. Do you think the Isles win it tomorrow night? No, I think Boston forces a game seven, and then because it's a cruel joke, it's going to be a 0-0 overtime win uh, for the Islanders. So the Islanders are going to get a one nothing double OT win against Boston. And the, and the Islanders are only going to have 15 shots the whole game. See, the good thing about being a pessimist is I'm always eventually right. Who will score <laughs> it? Who scored that one goal? Cal Clutterfuck. <laughs> Leo Komarov, noted line mate of Matt Barzo, Leo Semyon Varlamov. Right. No, it, no, it's going to be Komarov or Clutterbuck, like one of their fourth line grinders who don't really matter. Like, y- yes, they're important players, but it's going to be someone who's not like one of their skill guys, just so we can have every old time hockey motherfucker on the planet just be like, yeah, see, you need a good fourth line to be good. No, you need guys to score the puck. You need 10 Gretzkys and two John Scotts. Like the- My guess is Matt Martin. Oh, yep. I, I I was I couldn't think of the third fucker. 
<laughs> See, or, not being or, the whole show, I have to get my quota of F-bombs, or else this is not a Frozen 4 podcast. Or Braden <laughs> Coburn, just because... Hey, I like Coburn. <laughs> he's he's with, the oldest guy on the team, so that's why with, I... Uh, as we're wrapping up here at the Frozen 4 pod, Stack, what you got for us for closing time? Well... Really not much uh, besides I think I got out everything during my rant about a certain blue and white team from a northern city. Um, yeah, I think I'm burnt out from that. <laughs> I think that might be the longest I've ever talked in a show. Consecutively, but, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, at, at least at a time. Uh, maybe yeah. the Babcock episode had more. Um, but, yeah, I'm... I'm struggling to find a way to be one grateful for the team, but also optimistic for the future. Um, if we lose Dak Hyman, um, I'm going to be very sad because one, he's a guy who I've loved watching since he got here, but also a guy I've sort of tried to model my game after alongside like Wendell Clark. And, you know, the reason I wear number 17, of course, but, just I'm struggling to find a way to like this team right now. Maybe that's my playoff hangover, but it's it's more rooted in fuck Mitch Marner, and that's all I'll say. Welcome to our club. Welcome to our club. <laughs> Welcome stack. Welcome stack. <laughs> before wait, before my turn is over, um Eichel for Marner? Question no. Mark? Yeah, okay. no. <laughs> I would gladly take Eichel. The Leafs need depth, but I would gladly take him. We'll take Eichel for Marner and Nylander. <laughs> no way in hell. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't trade Marner and Nylander for. Mm, no, that that's a <laughs> gross overpayment. Marner for half retained and Nylander for like. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what about you? What you got for us for closing time? Honestly, not that much. Um, I've been going through some personal stuff lately and I've been trying to work through that, but it's getting a little better. Um, job search is mainly part of the reason why I've been down in the dumps, but we're applying to jobs. We're waiting to hear back from people, and that's the most annoying part. Um, as Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. Um, but other than that, not really much has been going on. I've been mowing like crazy. I was really pissed off today because we were mowing in an apple orchard, like I said earlier. And as you all know, apple trees only grow about six to seven feet high. And then their branches just chill at like the three foot, four foot level. And when you have to mow underneath them right after it rains, you get very wet, especially when you mow under about 40 apple trees. And then you get caterpillars on you, you get sticks in your eye, you get, like, you hit the tree because you can't see. So, yeah, it it was not a good morning this morning, but we're getting through it, like I said. So, other than that, I don't got too much. Just everyone take care of yourselves and focus on you. Other good things will come once you focus on you. So, for once... I actually have like a legit closing time. Um, funny story slash annoying story uh, from yesterday, Monday the 7th. And it's a work story again. So we had what's called an honorable transfer. So someone died and that was currently serving. Um, 
and we had to get him off the plane. And mind you, this is the first time I've ever done it. I've never done an animal transfer before. I'm still relatively new to the program. I've only been in it for just under a year now. 11 months exactly, actually, today. And I have to be with one of the staff sergeants in the belly of the plane. Mind you, I don't know how much you guys know about the belly of the plane. It's about three feet high, if that. Um... We have to pick up a casket, move a plywood box off from underneath, and shimmy it out of the hole onto the conveyor belt to drop down to the other guys that are in the dress, their dress uniforms to carry it to the hearse. He was a big boy. It was not a fun time. There were only two of us in there trying to pick up a casket. So that was not a fun time. We get it down the conveyor belt. Now, so what happens with honorable transfer is they carry it from the plane to the hearse and then they go with the hearse to wherever the funeral home is and bring it from the hearse into the funeral home. Now, unfortunate for all the guys that were on that part of the detail is the fact that the plane lands around, landed around 7.30, 7.45 in the evening and the funeral service or the where they're having a funeral eventually is down in Cuba, New York. So it's about an hour and 40 minute drive from the airport here in Buffalo. My guys and the Rochester guys didn't get home till about midnight. Mind you, we came into work at 8 a.m. They pretty much worked two full days in one day. I worked from 8 to 8.30. They had to work from 8 to midnight and then come into work today. So, unfortunate day for them. We're going to try to get some days off this week. I luckily am off tomorrow along with um, my boss. So, we're getting our day off. Our other, the other guy's getting his day off on Thursday. So, it's a good time. We're getting our days off. Unfortunate day yesterday. And there's a lot of more unfortunate stuff coming out at the end of this week that I will get into next week when we record once again here at the Frozen 4 Podcast. Follow us on our social medias. Instagram is at the Frozen the number four podcast. Twitter is the Frozen 4 Pod. And all our um, personal Twitters are also on that Twitter. And as I say every week, be safe, be smart, go watch the playoff hockey.